Hello and welcome to That Band Life, a podcast about making our lives... <laughs> Jeff, pull it together. What is it? Jeff being cool, take two. Hello and welcome to That Band Life, a podcast about making our lives as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, and more productive. I'm Jeff Young from Carmel, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, a band director from Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Uh, we're really excited to be coming to you from California. We're in Anaheim, California at the uh, Southern California Band Directors Association Conference. Uh, and also the NAM Conference is here in town sometimes. So Jeff and I just printed it in three different sessions this morning. We're actually in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, this is this is really bizarre. This is the first for that band life. <laughs> yeah, so this we're calling this our after hours special. It's uh, it's going to be a little bit different, and uh, we're just really looking forward to uh, getting to do some different information and have a little bit of fun with this. So Jeff, it what are we talking about? Today? Well, it's currently midnight here, California time. So I think it's three a.m. at home. Yikes! So yeah, um, uh, before we start, obviously we always talk about our products and we encourage people to go to shop.dynamicmarching.com and pick up products at some of the most discounted prices on the web and don't tell Chris Mater but I have a special going right oh, now. Oh, Chris is going to kill you. And it's dynamicmarching.com slash SCSBOA. It's only going to be open for the next week. $99. All of our videos and courses for an entire year. Jeff, you're a crazy man. I'm crazy. It's Stop like, it. It's Martin Luther King Day sale and... Uh, the first time we've ever done one of those and i'm really <laughs> and if it, if chris has his way it's the last sale that yes, we ever have so we're losing money on every sale but everyone else benefits yes so that's cool so, so we've had a great time out here in california these last couple of days and this morning we got to talk to several band directors uh, about the system if you haven't got a chance to look at that online uh, we encourage you to check that out it really goes through the visual process of designing for your marching band and also the music side of that luckily Jeff just went ahead and posted all of my videos from that uh, most recently uh, and it, we just talk about how you begin where do you start with this whole marching band thing so if you're the lone gunman at your school the only band director and you have to put together a show maybe for the first time or maybe for the 10th time uh, check those videos out or even just email us uh, and and let us help you with that process we're all about trying to make things easier and more efficient and uh, so that you don't have to spend your hard-earned time or money on uh, superfluous stuff so check out the system uh, again we were talking about this morning and Jeff started out with the system the visual system and he had uh, several band directors from California walking around the room doing these dynamic stretches that's right in their suits and ties and everything it was it was quite the sight to behold what was great is once everybody got up and started moving around you could already tell that the blood was moving and so all that stuff uh, just works and it's super easy so Jeff maybe talk a little bit about some of the things that you tried to get across this morning in your system in your, in your session we just talked about the 11 tips uh, for teaching marching fundamentals that I've already done a podcast on. That's one of the things we talked about today. We talked about some other ways that we, uh, you know, that we uh, do our um, process. Uh, some of the stuff that Chris Craigie talks about in his video on our website on music or visual ensemble. Um, and we just, I showed him a little bit of dynamic stretching and we did um, just a little bit of posture stuff. Everybody was standing up. We went through the posture checklist and just uh, talk to everybody about not skipping steps and making sure you go through your teaching progressions. That was the most important thing. Uh, I think that, that that is the most important part of what we both talked about was anything that you skip or maybe treat lightly 
is what's going to come back to bite you later on. It's just like you know, making sure that you keep up with medical visits and those sorts of things. If you skimp on the uh, aerobic part of things, the physical part of things, you find the kids can't get through the show. And that was one of the points that you made this morning that I thought was really important. Well, did you see when I showed them the clip of the students working out and I said, we're going to get out of our seats? And oh, some of th- them were like, Absolute uh, fear. <laughs> so, absolute terror on yeah, their faces. It actually didn't work out, so that was good. Yeah, but they they were watching the mountain climber exercises, the yeah. you know the uh, on the ground mountain climber, and it's it's something where you spend if if you have kids doing that or uh, old guys like me doing that for any length of time, you start to find it starts to work on the muscles, and that was the thing that I would say at Wando maybe four years ago we had to learn that lesson the hard way a couple of times. We just weren't ready for the physical demand that our shows were going to have on us. So uh, I think for any kind of band, twenty members to three hundred members, it's imperative that you make sure that you don't skip any of those steps in that visual process. And I got to come on then and do the the music side of the system, and really we talk about the the five T's. Know, tone, tuning, timing, technique, and being in touch with the music. But all that happens after great music selection and basically putting a curriculum together so that you follow each of the steps to get what do you want, how do you exercise that particular skill, and if you do it right, what will you get in the end? I think that's one of the steps that a lot of directors, including myself, sometimes will miss is, okay, I want to I have better tone. Well, what the heck does that mean? I think you have to really establish, okay, that really means steady pitch. It means it's unaffected by range. It means it's adaptable. Like, or else you, you have no idea as to whether it's getting any better. The session that I did, I'd never done it before, but basically at Wando, we'll do uh, videos of ourselves about, say, the fifth of every month. And it was like uh, sort of exposing all the blemishes. Yeah, you were really honest with everybody. <laughs> you so know, like, here's when, what we sounded like in On August July 5th. Or, yeah. and it, Well, actually, it was July 12th. And it was painful. It really was because they were like, so why are you doing this session for us? <laughs> it's way, our band's way better than yours. But just letting them see this progression, just <laughs> the audience liked that one. Uh, just I, see- I turned on the applause. Sign. <laughs> We've got to have a live studio audience from now on. Uh, but having it so that we, um, th- so they could see that every band sounds rough at first and it's okay. Uh, I think sometimes people will, will want to get everything together before they bring in a clinician or bring in people to hear them, but it's too late. You've got to bring people in who can tell you the honest truth uh, in July, in August, so that they can make some things happen. And I'll tell you, it's one of those times where you have the right people in, they can tell you the right music selection. And if you've made a poor choice, you've picked out something that's way too hard. You can spin your wheels for three months and make everyone miserable and 10% of the band quits, or you can just make a music change and make everything better really, really fast. So it was a, it was a great time. And some of, the, some of the great questions that came up from that were like, okay, well, what do you do if, and how do you do this when? And, you know, these are the kinds of questions we love for people to write in and, and post on our Facebook page or on Instagram or Twitter, which I think we have those, don't we, Instagram and Twitter? Yeah, we do. All actually. right, excellent. Uh, see, I don't know. Jeff takes care of all those things, but we love it because there's some... I posted a picture to Instagram today. Was I in that picture? 
then I, I don't yeah. care. I don't, oh yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I don't <laughs> no, remember. Well, what? But what was? Uh, we, we love to hear because there are questions that we hadn't really thought of. You know, Jeff and I come from pretty different backgrounds as far as where we grew up, but our schools are really different too. He comes from a single school district. I come from a, a school district with eighty-eight schools and fifteen high schools. So there's very little that we haven't heard of or seen. But sometimes we don't think about saying that. So anytime you have those questions, just email us or post those. Um, to, they, well, then we finished with our total program success. If you haven't seen that uh, class that we have on there, that, that's actually, you know, I, I know that we put it together and everything, but gosh, I go back to that more often. Uh, even the, the longer that I teach, the more times I go back to that and reevaluate where we are. We're at Wando. We're kind of through our six-year cycle right now. Um, and we're going back through and saying, okay, what do we want to do next? Let's dream even bigger than what we did before. Our, we've checked off almost everything on our wish list from six years ago. So it's, it's a really exciting time, and it's kind of scary. Uh, we don't really know where the next thing is or what's, what's the next goal. I think that's when band programs can get really stagnant, when they don't have a direction that they're headed into. So for everybody who wasn't at the clinic today, the six things we talked about were evaluation, where we talk about like evaluating your program and going through the steps of what are we doing really well and what do we need to improve on? Then we talk about visualization where you're kind of, uh, what's the picture of where you're going in one, three or five years, maybe 10 years. Then we talked about prioritizing how to get there and, and organizing what you need in terms of like people and places and things. Um, and then we talked about communication a lot. Um, and then we kind of wrapped up with how to implement all that. So that was the total program success hour that we did. I think it'd be really important. One of the best things I took away from there is when you talk about that communication piece and about, you know, you talk about the four C's of communication, but the first thing that you talk about is what's the intent of your communication. I think that's, that's something that I needed to hear again. So it might be worthwhile for the listeners to hear that too. The, thing the about aim the stuff. Well, no, actually the intent about informing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Oh, we as teachers, you know, we want to inform, we want to instruct, or we want to inspire. And so we talked about how when you're communicating, um, you know, you don't want to belittle students. You don't want to make them feel bad. You don't want to yell at them, so to speak, even if they do something wrong or whatever. We always want to inform them. This is what, this is what you know, you need to know or inspire them in some way. But all communication needs to be kind of in that realm where we're in the wrong profession. When I think that that's important about parent communication back and forth you know if you go to the band director facebook group which i got to meet one of the the great uh, administrators of that rachel maxwell a couple of weekends ago and she was saying there's so many things that they have to cut out of there because it's just complaining or whatever but there's some there's some vicious parent emails to teachers and my best response is the ones that i love the most are where the where the teacher says i appreciate the feedback i will consider this thank you for the information it's completely disarming, totally takes everything out of their, their hands. Now, that's not the way that I normally reply. Uh, I, I'll reply three different times with everything that I can fire at them, and then I delete it. I don't right, actually yeah. send it. It just sits in the outbox, and then tomorrow you'll write a better and better uh, <laughs> thought, thoughtful email, I guess. Yeah, well, that, that short and sweet of thank you for the feedback. This is the policy. Uh, here it is in the handbook, and, and there you go. Uh, and you copy your own principle on it so that the parent doesn't have to. Uh, you, <laughs> really, because right. we know that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But I've, seen, I've yeah. seen so many band directors dig the hole deeper. It, when it comes to a parent uh, administrator conference, which it will if it's that aggressive, you can sit there and say, this, is, this was my professional response to this attack. And that completely changes as opposed to, well, I called them several names, 
back to what right. they sent me. And it, then it becomes a whole quagmire of uh, he said, she said, they said, you said this about my child. You made me feel this way. Well, no, it just needs to be you. The parent has taken this aggressive action and I'm just responding to it in a professional teacher way. I'm saying this because Bobby Lambert needs to hear this right now right. more so than anybody else. It's it's those kinds of things that I think the communication side of this figuring out total program success is it's so important. We get so bogged down with all of the battles that we have to fight that we get kind of tired and weak. And it's in those tired and weak moments that we make really poor decisions in our communication cycle. And it only takes once. One of my favorite things to say when I'm kind of in that uh, defensive zone is I, I try to just step back and I say, you and I have the same goal and that's success for your student. All this other stuff, we can kind of figure out the details of that. But let's let's agree that that's, that's our goal starting. here. That's where we're starting. And we both have the same goal. Yeah. So uh, after we did our three clinics this morning, uh, we had some lunch at uh, Del Taco for the first time. Yeah, we've time. never been to Del Taco. That's and like. For the eighth time today, I will say that my burrito had French fries in it. We yes. our minds were completely blown because oh, he, he wanted fries. So he asked for a side of fries with his burrito with fries. If you've yeah. ever seen Jeff, <laughs> you know that that's a bizarre thing for him to yes, get. But they did have the uh, non-meat meat, so I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you said that that was an option, I was like, wait, are you just kidding? Is that a cardboard that they just roll up in there? Oh, it tasted it? pretty good. I think it was, I forget if it was impossible or beyond. I impossible meat, right? It? Beyond, it oh, beyond, it's beyond meat. It was okay. good. It was good. It's real good. <laughs> California is amazing, yeah. everyone. I have been able to eat uh, vegetarian every meal so far in California. So I have cool. not wanted to eat vegetarian <laughs> even once, and I've still been pretty happy here. So after that, we were walking out of Del Taco, and Bobby said, I really need to walk more. And then, and then we were talking about going over to the NAM, uh, which is at the Anaheim Convention Center, and he's like, um, so we should walk. And, and I was like, well, I don't think it's close. And Bobby said, well, I don't want to walk that far. <laughs> we were like, I think it's like a 20 minute walk. I was like, oh, good Lord. We don't want to do that. That's crazy talk. I was talking like, you know, eight I minutes I looked it so. up on the phone and it was one mile. So <laughs> Which was still a trial, but I yes. muddled through. We made it. Um, so neither of us had ever been to Nam, And uh, for those of you who've never been to Nam. Uh, you probably should go someday. Uh, well, first of all, tell people, help me remember, NAM stands for the National Association of... I'm pretty sure it's Music Merchants. Yes. yes. All right. The, okay. the audience says yes, so we it's official now. That's what it is. On, yeah, North, North, oh. North American? Not National, so just North, North American. American Music Merchants. Okay, it, so we've both been to Midwest. I've been to TMEA. I've been to TBA. Uh, and I always kind of thought... People were like, oh, NAM's kind of a big deal. And um, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's like twice the size of Midwest. What do you think? Oh, I think it's well beyond twice the size. Six times? Yeah. It just, it didn't stop. We were in the lighting room. We were in the smoke machine room. We were in the sound amplification Trusses, room. bubbles. Smoke-filled uh, bubbles. DJs everywhere. Stuff I didn't even understand. Turntables. Line arrays. Like uh, we were in a room where I'm pretty sure the minimum buy was probably half a million dollars because right. you're talking about this line array of 20 speakers and subwoofers that like you see at concerts. And we right. were in totally the wrong room. 
well, we, we kept walking around and I was like, I am so not cool enough yeah. to be at this place. I felt well, so awkwardly out of place. You've seen the Daddario setup at Midwest. It's a nice right. booth. It is. This is the not first thing we saw when we walk into NAM. It's a two story booth. Yes. And it's clearly built by professionals with like woodworking and. Uh, <laughs> there was a violin. Well, actually, I should say a stringed instrument. Uh, producer there that had all this woodworking on right. the wall. Yeah. I mean, it looked like you were in an 18th Bavaria. century yeah. library in Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like I was in Downton Abbey all of a sudden. In yeah. the, uh, so, so the audience oh. is asking us to talk about the attire that's there. Um, well, like I said, I was, in a, uh, I was in a dynamic marching polo shirt and khakis and was wildly out of place. It's just, it's I was very wearing khaki pants as well. And we were everybody's dad. I mean, uh, they were they were skinny khakis, but still, like we. I think half the people there look like they're in a rock band, right, of some kind or another. And the other half were it were in a rock band in the late seventies. Yes, yeah, and still think they are. There, yeah, yeah there and was but, some, but you know what was what was very cool though. Stuff. It, it was very free spirited. It was very much like this is. I, I would uh, I, I would probably. Uh, associated with what I would assume fan um, conventions are like, like Star Trek conventions or Marvel conventions. Like everybody is dressed appropriately for that. I right. think they were dressed appropriately for the rock era. But it was so bizarre. Jeff and I, we were walking through, and so we were in kind of more the commercial music side, and then we got to the instrument producers, and the vibe changed immediately. Totally. Yeah. Like we, we were, were in a string area, <laughs> and like the decibels went down, and everything. We was were calm. not in Kansas no. anymore. Right. It was people being very serious. I there were several instrument repair places there that just had killer ideas uh, about how to do do some things. It was so so neat to just walk around and see how passionate. When you go to Midwest, people are passionate about batons. They're passionate about tuners. They're passionate about pizza kits they're passionate about <laughs> bus companies and these folks were like passionate about microphones and about right. monster cables and i think one of the things that i i would love for people to see is how many people are connected to the world of music right yeah absolutely we we walked by the monster cable table booth whatever and you know they sell HDMI cables at Best Buy by Monster, and you're like, oh, that's a good brand, right? But at this show, what do you, people are probably walking in there buying. You like know, we want. We, we talked about yeah. we want 100, 100 foot cables, yeah. uh, Monster cables, and that's that's more the people that they're right. looking at. Yeah. You know, we were we were thinking about all the churches that use kind of the sound and lighting yeah. equipment for this. The fo we we saw it was really interesting. You you see name tags as you go by, and we saw one person that uh, the name tag said producer of the uh, Adam of the Adam show. Carolla show. Yeah. So you know, these are folks that are doing these live concerts or doing uh, and NASA. Uh, that that was suspect. I don't I know that I. I it I said that. NASA. That's yes. I, anyone can buy NASA. a NASA shirt. Uh, but regardless, we'll we'll let that one we'll let that one be. Um, but it was there. There were so many people that were passionate about that. I, somebody was saying like a, over a hundred thousand people at this thing, and you know we were so excited about Midwest having eighteen thousand people. So you, you just multiply that out and seeing there were concerts everywhere right. and demonstrations. You'd walk and professional maybe, musicians just sitting here or DJs, right? 
you know, Slushy was supposed Slushy, to perform yeah. at two o'clock and it was two fifteen and Slushy had not made an appearance. Yeah. But no one cared. They were gonna wait for Slushy right. to come out and DJ and spin. Okay, good. The audience here doesn't know anything doesn't yeah. know them. But either, I did but. text Connor at IU and I said, Do you have you ever heard of Slushy the DJ? And a couple of minutes later he said, I looked it up and that person played with Skrillex. Ah, like, okay. Oh, I, Skrillex. I, I will uh, pretend to know who that is. And then I looked up Skrillex, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I have heard the word Skrillex before and, yeah. and known that the kid, it's popular with the young people these days. Like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so yeah, my, pretty established. I'm so yeah, my dad right now. Skrillex, yes. You're not kidding. You didn't Marshmallow, too, apparently. Marshmallow is the, the guy who wears the I want to be the guy that comes head. up with names. Yeah. For these people, I would not be allowed so to have last names. Right. Well, why would you? I mean, it works for share. Just s'mores. This is going to be my DJ name. It could just be foods that I love, like whatever I had last, like lava cake. That was good. That was a good lava yeah. cake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So we walked out of there and I was like, so on the way back to the hotel, we should just turn on the iPhone and do a voice recorder and talk about what we just saw. And we, then we were both like, I'm exhausted. Overload. Complete. And we were overload. there all. We were there two hours. Right. Yeah. But that was. Uh, I, I'm glad I did it now. I think if I ever, uh, when I would come back, I would love to just kind of say, okay, I want to focus on just these things. Like maybe it's uh, microphones. I'm just going to focus on that because that could take up most of your time there. Yeah. Or I'm just going to focus on, gosh, jazz mouthpieces. That was another place that you could go. If you've never been, well, the, the last thing I would say, we're talking about the concerts everywhere. I mean, tonight, Tower of Power closed out the evening with a concert. So this is not your, your, your mom or dad's uh, music convention. This is, well, it kind of is, because that's sort of the age of a lot of the folks that were there. But it's, it's just so um, overwhelming to see how many people are associated with music. And I think... Um, I don't know if it's something I would bring my kids to, the band kids to, but it is something that I would want to go and see again and just just learn about what that is. There are so many things that I was like, I don't even know what that is. Right. Earplugs. That was one of the other things that we were looking at, like how many different types of yeah. earplugs that were there that I would love to have, but I don't know nearly enough to yeah. make an educated decision. So we were watching Tower of Power, and we were like, okay, let's go find some something to eat and drink. And we walked into the Hilton, and then at, there was a stage there from a from just a in the lobby of the hotel sponsoring this. It's this guy named Brander, Brandon Niederauer, and uh, holy cow! Yeah, it this was. Guy was a sixteen-year-old <laughs> guitar player, singer, band leader. Apparently, he was on Broadway in the School of Rock. Yeah, musical, and you could, but when you hear him, you would know. You'd say, "Yep, definitely." Everyone needs to check this kid out. If yes. I were going to put something up against Tower of Power out in the you know, the, the outdoors just outside the, the Hilton, this person would be a great alternative because it was a, a different kind of vibe, but still amazing talent that was there that for the folks that were there listening. And what was very cool is even though he was so young, he played with an old soul. Like it just sounded like he, he, he was quoting Jimi Hendrix at one point I heard. Uh, he was quoting other famous, Carlos Santana. There was a quote in there that I swore was Carlos Santana. And then there was just his own original stuff that was <laughs> off the, the band, charts. The band was sick. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And they, they had a singer at one point. All of this to say, 
Nam is legit, everybody. When, when I, people have told me before, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we've got the Midwest Clinic, but you know, Nam is coming up in about three weeks, and that's the really big deal. And I thought, well, that can't be right. It's right. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. So anyway, uh, being here in California, it's kind of given us a new insight to some of the challenges and struggles that people even deal with here. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you have so many people living in, in small places, uh, you find some really interesting challenges that uh, are out in the band world. And I mean, maybe we can ask some of our lovely studio audience members to to give us some some questions or, or thoughts on what are some things maybe particularly California or something that they would want to know about some of the other places out and yeah, let's, about. Let's put a couple of them on the spot. Oh, here. I think so. I think that'd be great. All right. Well, okay. So I'm, I'm actually a private school band director here in Southern California. Uh, one of my colleagues here is with me that, that teaches here in Southern California who's also a private school uh and director, but since that you're being at Marian Catholic, how to expand that? You know, they don't really kind of touch basis on that here in California. You know, it's kind of like a taboo thing if you go to a public middle school right. to do that. So, like, how do you promote that to bring more kids into your program? Sure. And that, that's kind of the uh, that's one of the struggles that I've been kind of dealing with. I mean, there are some within the area, private schools specifically, to to reach outreach to those kids. But like, I guess it's like, you're really essentially kind of doing use car salesman. Yes. Trying to bring those people in. So. Well, I would tell you the the way that we kind of compared it, it was much like a college director having to recruit kids and you had to be careful because, you know, the public school, high school teachers don't want you coming into their middle schools to take students. One of the ways that that Greg Greg was so good about just going into places and, and offering clinics, like how can I help you? Could I come in and be a brass tech for you on a concert camp day? Or can I come in and do maybe a couple of master classes with certain instruments? Uh, so that you're not just blatantly coming in and saying, hey, we want you to not go to your public high school, but to come to our school as a as a private school. Um, but we did that pretty often. I would say at least there were three middle schools, public middle schools that we wanted to try and get to as much as we could for Chicago middle school, private school band instruction is usually one day a week at best. And it's a pay to play. So the, the directors oftentimes had to struggle with, do I hold the student accountable so much so that they quit? because they would literally just come in and pay X number of dollars each month for that band class. So we would have, we would have strange numbers. Like I remember one year we had so many saxophones that we changed eight of them off of saxophone and still had too many saxophones in the marching band that year. Um, but anyway, to go back to just trying to find creative ways to go in and help those middle school directors without um, coming in to recruit, but let me, I know you said you do low brass mm-hmm. instruction. Like, I'd love to come in and just just help out, like on you know, the first Thursday of each month, or if you want me more than that, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. Right. Just, it, it's building that relationship, and I think we have to recruit at Wando our middle school kids because they have five different schools they can choose to, from to attend as a high school student. So we have to recruit just like a college yeah, would. It just works like in the pri- public and private. So exactly, yeah. and we're finding that students just want to be wanted, mm-hmm. and if they know that, hey, we would love to have you. Um, 
may not be the best saxophone player that I've ever seen in my life, but you're somebody who works and you're somebody who yeah, wants to. Good. Yeah, that's that's so important. So I think walking that fine line between trying to get people to come to your school without quote unquote stealing them from the public school, I think that's big. With us, the the high school band directors minded less because they knew that Marion was going to be a good musical experience for them. And I think if you can show some of the folks that too, that we were giving them an opportunity um, that sometimes, especially with larger high schools, they may not be able to get. Right. Uh, same with the academic classes and rigors. Like the academic rigor at Marion was really quite strong, and the public schools around us maybe couldn't offer quite as challenging um, uh, a, a curriculum as we did. So those things kind of made it a little bit better. I'll tell you this last thing that we do at Wando this year. We started the LEAP program, and it stands for Lessons, Experiences, Access, and Performance. And it's about bringing 8th and 7th graders onto campus for different things. Like we did a marching band day where they came for an hour, learned one pep tune and our alma mater and played that for their parents, and we played our show for them. We do another thing where we offered them a chance to come and play at our holiday concert. Uh, we do a thing where our, our chamber groups are going to go out and do a concert for them. Uh, we also gave them, if you came to that first leap day, you could come to any football game with us and play in the stands with us that night. We actually had four or five kids that came every home football oh, game. Awesome. And we, the last thing that we did uh, just this past January is we offered uh, an um, audition workshop for the middle school kids. So they had two hours where they had uh, a teacher and a lot of our leadership kids come in and work with them about preparing for the audition for region band, which was coming up. And we thought, man, it would be great if we get 20 middle school kids with this. We had over 60 show up. Last year we had 30. Um, so it's like those kinds of pro- – it's, it's a program. We just want you to see what we're about. Uh, and, yes, it's recruiting, but it's also trying to encourage and engage them to be better musicians. So maybe that's a way to go. Yeah. Do, you, do you see – I mean, in the private sector, I guess you can see more kids like involved with so many different activities. Sure. I, um, when I was the assistant band director at a public school, that kind of it started slowly to happen. I don't know. Do you see that at Wando or like how do you kind of the retention is also the other thing, too. So it's it's tough. And this, I would tell you this year, we're actually adding a, a marching band. We have everybody do marching band. It's not voluntary so far. Uh, now we have kind of what we're calling our warrior band, which is everybody that does the football games, but they're only going to do one night of rehearsal a week with the marching band. And then we have our competitive travel group that will do that too, because we do have that same thing where kids want to do mock trial and they want to do yearbook and they want to do a lot of other things, but we also don't want to compromise the quality of the program that we have. So we're hoping that we get kids who would have never even given band a chance to try it. We find that most kids don't make really true decisions about where they want to focus until around 10th or 11th grade. And we've had several kids who quit or not even give us a chance when they first come in and then regretted it. But once they get behind a year or even two, it's so hard to jump back in to where they were before. So all that to say, we've tried to make it so that it's a little bit more access, more accessible uh, for for students to come in and just kind of get their feet wet and do that. But you have to be really creative about those things. Like how, how can we get students who maybe aren't ready to commit fully to give us a try or how do we get those kids uh, I know with the, the private school we had a little bit more trouble with keeping the top AP students able to take band 
every year. Now, I'm really fortunate, Wanda, we actually have both the block schedule and the traditional eight-period day on top of each other. Oh, wow. So some students have a block class, and some kids have two skinny classes, we call them in there. So it's we rarely will have any kind of... Uh, scheduling issue but at Marion we we did have that issue from time to time so we had to get really creative with okay maybe this kid sits in this band but they're playing music for that other band and they're here at our after school rehearsals or maybe we do things like that so it we had to get creative each place I think that that's that's kind of the bottom line of how creative can yeah, you get being an entrepreneurial yeah yeah you you never want to cut the standards at all but I think that we I, I'm finding that I worried too much about cutting the standards when I was just keeping access denied for people. I, I think that it's worth the chance, worth the risk of, of taking that. So tell everybody your name and where you're from so uh, we can get that on there. Yeah, too. my name is Eric Villalobos. I'm the director of bands at Valley, or Valley Christian High School over in Cerritos, California. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. Appreciate it a lot, yeah. man. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. You're on the podcast. Okay, so Bobby, I had the pleasure of sitting in on your and Jeff's session today, and you talked about involving students in ways that made them feel accountable and in charge of something. Um, so I personally teach Color Guard, and when I talk to a lot of my uh, colleagues in the business, they like to talk about, well, I don't trust my kids mm -hmm. to do X, Y, and Z. So rather than you know, charging my students with this task. I do it myself because I want it done correctly instead of giving them the independence to do it sure. correctly. So w what's your response to that? Um, I think that, uh, and I, I would agree with that statement, especially when I first started, that I was very control freakish about everything that I was doing. The older that I got, the more that I saw that kids were hungry to find acceptance and success in any way possible. You know, we've been talking about our good friend, Jeremy Turner. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeremy, oh, Jeremy, Great I hope guy. when you listen to this, you, yeah. he's, he's one, of, uh, one of the best students that I've ever had. And Jeremy was one of those kids that if I had said, hey, we need to clean the toilets to be a better band today. He would have done it. He would have been the first one there. Yeah. So, and there were times where, you know, Jeremy wasn't the first chair saxophone player in our band, but he was integral to Marion's success because of that attitude that he brought. So he was, he was part of several groups on our um, one or Marion leadership team. One of the most important ones that he did was part of our electronics crew. We called it E-Crew. And so uh, I was the one in charge of electronics and getting all the microphones and all the speakers and the, the sound system out there. And I would get so busy doing other things that that would fall by the wayside. And Jeremy and several other friends helped me with that. And they created this atmosphere and climate of this is ours. And you trusted them. Well, and, 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 they, right. and here's the thing that we said earlier. They will fail. There'll be something that they miss. But I think that kids learn infinitely more from failures than they do from just talking or not being allowed those things. That failure, that yeah. experience. Absolutely. Uh, and there were some that were a little costly. I can remember one time they put the covers over our speakers and they broke several of the cables that we had. Oh, and they were just, oh, they were so upset when they came and told me and they knew that I was just going to destroy them. Right. I didn't have to say very much at all. Okay, so what did we learn? They're like, okay, we'll, we'll be more careful with it. And from that point on, they were more careful than I would have been with it. And I think about that when I see how well and how hard he works now, I just wonder how much of that came from some of those 
failures and some of those successes that he had on electronics crew. With our students at Wanda, we have the same thing. I remember, actually, this was Marion. We always had a field crew who would paint the field. And one year, they got the back corner wrong. So everything was at a diagonal. Instead of straight from the tower, it went back diagonally. And, uh, you know, I came out. They were like, Mr. Lambert, we we need you to come with us. I was like, are you guys okay? Is everybody okay? So far, we are. But we need you to come and see this. And we're I walked out, out. I walked out. And I was like, I started laughing. And they, they thought we're dead. We're just dead. So, okay, so we've got this problem. What do we need to do to fix it? Right. And, I mean, we, they, were, they were so smart. A kid said, well, okay, let's try to, to kick it up. And see, that, that took way too long. And one kid goes, why don't we just buy some green paint? And they, they painted. <laughs> so we had green lines at the diagonal and then white line. But, again, they learned that you have to be really careful. Number one, and if something goes wrong, you have to communicate about it and then find solutions. I I have adults that I work with now that they don't have do those that. that don't learn those lessons. So the idea, you know, uh, as we talked about, the only thing that I wouldn't necessarily trust a kid with is something that they could get hurt with, safety where safety is an issue, or if if someone else's ego is an issue. We do a lot of peer evaluations, but I control a lot of that. Like here, you can choose between these answers to give them. You can't just say, well, "Wow, that sucked." Because you can really hurt somebody with those kinds of words. Or you could really hurt somebody with, uh, okay, we're going to have the kids. Absolutely. But I do think that having those things where kids can learn real life things. And we as teachers, I I would close with this. And this may be a little heavy handed, but I, I do believe it's true. If you're saying, I don't trust my kids to do X, Y, or Z. I wish they had a better teacher to do that. Like, like it's, it's, it's on the teacher to, to, okay, you need to teach them how to be trustworthy in those things. I don't think that's heavy handed at all. uh, You know, I I know that some people, I I really can't let go of this. Yeah. But for me, it was, can I take four hours to go line the field or can I take four hours to learn this score better? Or can I take four hours to, to make this travel plan a little bit better than I would have? Those are huge wins that I think, band directors miss an opportunity on. So thank you for the question. Hey everyone, I uh, just for, wanted to go ahead and first of all, um, on behalf of the audience of That Band Life podcast, we want to thank you for what you're doing, uh, Thanks, Jeff and, and Bobby. Um, I enjoy listening to it on my unfortunate hour-long drive to work. Ouch. SoCal, <laughs> uh, from Long Beach to Santa Ana, which is only 15 miles, but we get to enjoy every stoplight on the way. You should buy a bike. <sighs> Actually... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Next, I have topic. a Peloton, but that's okay. About it. Good. Um, uh, what I do want to ask is, I t- also teach at a at a private school um, here in Santa Ana, known for sports. It's a one of the top nation's uh, sports schools, football team, basketball team, all across the board. Ninety six clubs. Yeah. On campus, twenty seven sports teams. Wow. And twenty two hundred students. So the band program uh, back in the eighties used to be really huge. Rose Parade host a tournament every year called the tournament of champions um and now you know we're we're struggling at 50 or maybe 60 on a good good year uh this is my fourth year there but my job is to kind of recruit for that program uh build feeder programs it's private school so not a lot of elementary middle schools have music programs at all in these schools so we have no feeders they're just kind of randomized so the after school program i have um really really helps focus that and builds builds a lot of um 
numbers for the high school, which is great. However, the parents and their mindset behind it is kind of like a sports mindset where they, you know, send their kid to club ball and I'll see you later. I have nothing to be a part of and there's nothing for me to do besides drop you off and pick you up. And that's kind of starting to get to a point where, yeah, you have like those 10 parents that have, you know, all your parents that want to stick around and help. Um, you give them opportunities at concerts, but I'm actually struggling to find a way to get parents to be more con um, consistent with supporting their children in music education because they didn't grow up with it. It was all of a sudden now they're sixth grade, ninth grade, and they're doing music education, but uh, they have no background on why it's important. And they just know that it's a thing that the kid does. So why not drop them off? So yeah, that's how it. do we get parents more involved with their students and with the band program as a whole? That's a great question. Actually, I got that question twice after our session today. Mm. Um, I think I think you're well aware that 10% of the parents are always going to do 90% of the work, yes. first of all. And so I think, I think my advice right off the bat is just making sure that that 10% of the parents, even if it's only 10 parents, you know, you, you have to make them feel special and make them feel like they're a part of the success of the group. Um, I, I, I really think that uh, also what you need to do is uh, we, we do something at the very beginning of the year. The, um, the first rehearsal that we see all the eighth graders, we call it the Get Acquainted Night. Um, where we have like a, a volunteer in what month? May. Okay. Yeah. So it's just one That's two hour odd for here. Yeah. I it's believe. just a it's one two hour rehearsal just to make sure that eighth graders know okay. we know you're coming essentially. But we also have what we call the the volunteer fair, and so in in the commons at the high school we'll have like um, a station where somebody who's been the the band nurse will talk about hey volunteer with us or. Mm -hmm photography or, um, you know, ways and means, or, um, you know, we do a community night where we have food trucks and a performance for the community. And so all of these things that we kind of set up as really important things for the parents to be doing, they recruit other parents. And I think that's really the awesome. The first time we did that, I walked out there and I was like, who came up with this? This is genius. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was Tim Dawson, who's a good friend of the program and former uh, band booster president. And, uh, it's just like, what, what a better way to recruit parents to, for another parent to say, I really got out of, I, I really got a lot out of being on tarp crew or on field crew or on front ensemble crew or electronic, whatever the crew is, you know, and they're trying to recruit other people. I went, that was really cool. Um, the other thing is just making sure that like, for example, uniform mom in, in marching band or whatever, or, or uniform dad, whatever, there has to be somebody in charge. And so like making a parent in charge of uniforms um, helps them to feel a sense of ownership. You know, they, they care if the students look good. Um, and I know Bobby utilizes a lot of student leadership in that, in that role, but I know he also uses parents. But the cool thing about those is those leader parents are teaching the freshman parents what to do when their kid graduates. And so all that stuff is just, it's just creating a culture. We have a culture with our students and, and, and you're creating a culture from scratch essentially with your parents. And uh, that's really tough at, at first. It might be only 10 people, but get them like so, so fired up about their role in it not too much power, right? You don't want them making decisions, but you want them to feel like 
Yeah, man, we couldn't do this without you. It's interesting because, you know, it's my fourth year. Um, so you learn about all the different types of praise that you give your students. And, and when you start off, it's a lot of negative praise on, on to be honest, the uh, majority of my friends who, who started, you know, teaching at the same time struggled with that and, and learning how to find, you know, the positives in, in everything that the kids are doing. There's always something that good that, hey, Sally brought her folder today. Yeah. Let's, let's congratulate that, you know. Um, but you have to do the same thing with parents. That's yeah. that's kind of what I'm that's what I'm hearing. And and the more you do that and interact with the parents and provide them that praise, the more they want to be invested in the program, I think. One of the people who came up to me after the clinic today said, um, uh, okay, so situation, whatever, a girl a girl took an extra Gatorade, whatever, stupid, right? But a parent was screaming at this kid for taking the extra Gatorade. She's like, I don't like that parent hates me now. She's turning everybody against me. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know why you would ever scream at anybody for taking an extra Gatorade, but, but my approach probably would be like what I use with young kids, which is the love and logic approach to say, I'm so glad you're here volunteering. <laughs> this is so sad that this situation occurred and you, I'm, more than happy to have you back volunteering with this group as long as you use positive voice or a positive tone of voice with with our students you know it's all you know it's all positive i didn't say you can't come back and volunteer unless you stop being a jerk to our students no it's none of that no it's like i'm so glad you're here it's a sad this is a bummer we're all bummed about it it got out of hand but you're ha you know, we're happy to have you back if you speak this way to our students. That's the expectation. So I thought that was a really, yeah, it's Gatorade, right? But it could be anything. Yeah. So also, so Taylor also has a podcast. So uh, before we well, get to the next the, yeah. uh, question, <laughs> if there is any from our studio audience, what? I would what, say podcasts have been around for a while, but um, they've become more popular in the last couple of years, three years, four yeah. years. And it's a way of um, at least professional development is the university in the car, right? Yeah. That kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I came up with an idea of band director blueprint as a, a concept for band directors of all shapes and sizes. So even those who are not band directors yet, I think there's a lot of podcasts directed towards professional development um, and how to be a better, better band director, but how do we uh, enforce and encourage those in college to continue and want to continue past their three-year mark, their seven-year mark, you know, where everyone starts to fade out. I think it would be good to um, kind of talk to people that are struggling in those situations, first-year teachers, second-year teachers, uh, you know, first-year undergrad students, what are they expecting? And kind of learning from that and, and hearing from different parts of the country. So Band Director Blueprint is kind of about how to build your career as a band director uh, from different perspectives. So that's awesome. Looking forward to that. So everybody go check out the band director blueprint on uh, Spotify and Apple podcasts. Right so yeah. Yeah. Go check that out. So Taylor, before we let you go, uh, when was the first time we met? <coughs> um, <coughs> I don't so remember yeah. what year it was, but so uh, I marched uh, 2010, 2011 blue devils. Um, and one day when we were at Mars after a long rehearsal, Actually, it was like in the morning, and then all of a sudden, 20 of us kind of got called out. Like, uh oh, we're in trouble. We're screwed. Um, you know, Skojo is not happy or something. Uh, but <clears throat> Todd Ryan asked, like, hey, guys, let's get, we're going to jump in a van. We're going to head down to San Jose. 
and go to Valley Christian High School. And I'd never been there. I didn't know what was going on. So I just said, yep, jumping in the van. Uh, turns out <clears throat> Jeff Young was filming his first, one of his first videos for uh, Dynamic Marching with yeah. Todd Ryan as the, as the yeah, main vi- actor. Visual performance individual, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he's man, in there. <laughs> me, yeah, I was naive and didn't know what Are I was marching experiencing. Tuba? I was Euphonium. Euphonium, yeah. That's awesome. Lower split. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had a great experience in Valley Christian High School is in this most beautiful part of San so Jose. So pretty, yeah. And it's got yeah. its astroturf on the field and, and on the roof, apparently. You can see for <laughs> 100 miles down in the valley. It's amazing. But uh, something I really appreciated was the professionalism that you had uh, and, the, and the quality of the video and information. You know, and Todd, I think, really felt comfortable in the situation. And everyone else had a blast just doing whatever you asked for us. Todd's the master. If you haven't seen it, check out that video. Yeah. Visual performance individual, dynamicmarching.com. Just a little plug there. (laughs) Thanks, Taylor. (laughs) Dennis, you're up. Okay. So, uh, young man from the audience, tell us us your name. And uh, if you've got a question for us, please. Well, my name is Dennis Crystal. I teach at Newbury Park High School, and um, I'm curious, as a high-performing band director, how you maintain your true north <laughs> emotional center. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being serious. Why is that funny? Take two. Yeah. Dennis being serious. Take two. See, they're not used to that. Late, that late. It? Yeah, this is okay, that band right. life late. No, I, I. How do you teach intonation? No, no. Well, you know. No, no. Let's get a good cut. Let's get a good cut. Elon Musk is up next. <laughs> <laughs> I was you can told ask. There it. Was <laughs> <laughs> my name is Dennis Crystal, and I teach at Newbury Park High School in Thousand Oaks, California. And uh, really enjoyed your uh, sessions this morning. So thank you very much for coming out. We're glad that you really encouraged us to come. Uh, Dennis has been a friend for a few years. And if you hear laughter in the background, it's because we're, uh, you know, these are some awfully good people here that some of them we just met tonight and some that we've met three years ago now, I guess it is for me and Jeff, even before that, many years ago. Um, So anyway, you have a question. Go ahead. I do. And uh, I think uh, an important part, at least to me personally, is uh, maintaining some emotional center through what is otherwise a very dynamic year of teaching and running a band program. And so just, I found it very valuable as I get to know you and Jeff to be able to just understand that the challenges that I face in a fairly small band program in a relatively unrenowned part of California are very similar to the challenges that maybe you mm-hmm. you would see in a much larger, higher profile program. Well, I think I think everybody has those struggles. They're they're different, but I wouldn't say that any of them are better than, worse than, less than. You know, the the small high school that I grew up in. Uh, you know, when I think now about what our band director had to do to even get uniforms for us, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty incredible. So you're you're asking about how. You know, it's, it's, it has been a busy year for us. And, and I'd say it's been kind of leading the past three years have been leading us to this Midwest performance. We played at the USC. Well, really, even before that, uh, Lainey Radicke, my associate uh, 
director there at Wando, she took our second concert band five years ago to the state convention along with Jeff Handel. He took our jazz band and our percussion ensemble. But all of those things have been leading up to this. So it wasn't a major jump, but it still was, was more pressure than before. I wish I could tell you that, oh, everyone who I work with would tell you I just stay calm and centered all the time. But I know that um, if they were listening to this podcast, they'd laugh out loud. I, I would tell you that there are better days than others. Well, it would actually be more reassuring to hear uh, that you yeah. go off the rails occasionally. Oh, badly. I think I've gotten better about where I go off the rails. Used to be in front of the kids <laughs> or in the parking lot with a parent, and that doesn't happen so much anymore. I can hold it in. There, there are a couple places around Wando that I can go walking. Mm-hmm. Our stadium is far enough away that if I yell profanities, nobody's going to really be able to hear that, thankfully. Um it, it happens more often than I would care to admit. Uh, I I have to bite my tongue a lot. We were talking earlier about writing an email and then deleting it, writing another email and deleting that one, and probably the third email is the right one. Uh, I've had problems with uh, administrators in the past that have been real challenges, uh, real challenges, and they have been things. Well, right now, if, if you go through, is everything going great at Wando? Well, yeah, there are several things that are going really well, but we actually just had an, a, a letter to the editor about uh, they didn't like something in particular that our our band is doing and so instead of talking to the band director and they don't have a kid in band there's the funny thing they just wrote an article and put it in the paper after we've done all this great midwest stuff and our color guards doing some great things right now it was just in the newspaper so there there are those challenges and i have to tell you there was a, a full day that i just couldn't really do much else but stew on what that was and I think just knowing that that's what you probably have to do. Like, sometimes if you can remove yourself from it, um, that's great. Some of us don't have that luxury of having multiple band directors. But there may be a thing where, okay, kids, you're going to have, you need to do some chamber music or sectional time on your own. And I need to, I'll be here in the room with you, of course, but I don't need to be in front of you talking right now. Uh, I think it's okay for us to say that. Well, I don't think it's okay. I, I know it has to be okay for us to say that. I think you also have to have some trusted confidants either in the building or in your house that you can just kind of bare your soul to. Usually, like for me, it's my wife, Alicia, and she she's so great at listening and then saying, okay, what's the real problem? Or saying, okay, what part of that, what are you most upset about? Why is why are these words bothering you? You know those just it's just opinion. Why are you letting that get to you so much? It's because there's there's so much insecurity. I think everybody struggles with that. I mean, I think people will look at uh, just using myself. I think people will look at sometimes like, okay, well, you've done this and this and this. Um, you know what? It doesn't matter. At the end of that concert, it doesn't doesn't exist anymore and people could say well we heard this or you did this but it still is okay you're just waiting for that next thing to come up and that used to really bother me I couldn't celebrate a lot of things that I had done because I was too busy worrying about the next thing to come down the pipe there's some level of what we do has to do with being overachieving I mean it's like <laughs> it's every every day of what we want is always going to be bigger better and, and, we, and it's and it's, and it's what makes us effective as teachers, right? Well, it, it, you know, the, the blessing of my, my wife's a choral director, and sometimes I don't understand that community very well because it's very seclusionary that, you know, I have my choir program here, you have your choir program there. We'll probably never hear each other. The band world is pretty different from that. 
where it's we're going to hear each other at concert festival. We're going to hear each other at marching band assessment. We're going to hear each other at jazz band assessment. You're going to find out how many kids I had make all state. There's there's all this accountability and assessment that's there. And, and I, I would be lying if I told you it didn't matter. Um, it, it does. It, it's this thing of where, and it's not so much about me, but it's I, I don't want to be the director that makes a kid incapable or cuts an opportunity out for a kid to have. Um, Jim Croft, who was the director of bands at uh, Florida State University, had this great quote that haunts me and humbles me a lot of times. He said, you have to decide whether you teach kids music or you teach music to kids. And I have to tell you, when I was in college, I said, I teach music to kids. They just happen, I'm teaching this piece of literature and these kids happen to be in front of me at the time. Uh, what an idiot, you know, uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, we, she actually ran our collegiate level of NAFME. And she was like, what a great quote that he said. She was in this meeting. What a great quote. And we all have to teach kids music. And I raised my hand. I was like, I don't. I was such a pompous idiot. Uh, as I've gotten, well, each year that I've taught, the other side of that coin has become even more true. When I do think about, honestly, the thing that devastates me more than a bad rating or a less than concert is a kid who quits. I stew about that for weeks. Uh, I can go back and tell you kids who have quit that I worry about still today. Uh, I wonder where this kid is. I wonder where that young lady is now. I wonder what that young man did with his life after that. So I think that I've at least found a place to put that obsession. It's a little bit healthier for me, but it still affects a lot. And I have learned how to celebrate some things. I, I went into the Midwest concert. I thought I was going to be scared out of my mind because, you know, five years ago, I was scared about just regional concert assessment. So I thought Midwest, I'm just going to be losing it. I was so excited that morning. I, I could not wait to get on the stage. Well, my I, heard big, the, I heard the rehearsal, <laughs> so I would be excited too. My, my biggest worry was the color of socks that the tubas were going to wear because they had this funny thing about how they were going to wear different colored socks, even though I'd begged, you know. And it wasn't, it wasn't a thing out of disrespect. It was more just that was their kind of funny little joke. Long time. Wasn't going to hurt anybody, they thought. And I, I had a bag of black socks in my bag of scores for those fools if they did anything funny. But like what I, I was telling uh, one of the other directors, Lainey Radicke, I was telling her that she was like, isn't that such a cool thing to be worried about today? Mm-hmm. We're not worried about how they're going to play. We're not worried about how they're going to act. They know what to do. And man, it felt so good to be in that place. Um, so all that to say, what, what keeps my true north, what keeps me sane um, it doesn't, it's still there. Like I, I still have those insecurities. I still have those concerns. I think the only thing now versus 10 years ago in my career is to understand that that's pretty normal. It, if you didn't care about it, it wouldn't matter. Uh, but because we care so much about this craft of teaching children music, we're obsessive. I think it's super reassuring uh, that, uh, at least to me personally, and uh, to know that uh, whatever your station yeah. band world is, and if you're performing at Midwest uh, or just at your regional championships or whatever. Just trying to start a beginner band. Our, 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 our passions, our motivations, and our challenges are uh, very, very similar. And so 
you know, Jeff getting ready to go on the field at Grand Nets is dealing with some of the same issues that I'm dealing with my band going to our very first show and you still got the same the same issues and so I'm thankful to you guys that you occasionally answer my phone calls and let me just uh, you know, share. I it's helpful to me to hear let's let's pause on that for just a second because we were just talking about this downstairs at the uh, Hyatt here in Anaheim. And um, so I want to tell you guys about the first time I ever met Dennis. And those of you who have taken the course, uh, the program success course, have heard this story but didn't know who it was. Well, um, I was on my way from the high school down to the rehearsal field, and my phone rang, um, I don't know, eight years ago. I don't know when it was. but And I was like, hello. And he's like, Jeff Young? And I was like, yeah. Uh, this is Dennis Crystal. I'm from California. Is, is it okay if I call you? I, I just watched your video and, you know, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's why my phone number is there. And he's like, you should know that <laughs> I, I religiously delete spam and for some reason I opened yours and I'm happy. Yeah. And he great. proceeded to ask me 20 questions about this and that about the fall and marching band. And I was like, you know what? I got to go warm up the band, but uh, let's talk tomorrow. And we continued to talk off and on, you know, every, I don't know, month or so. Um, and we've not stopped talking nope. for the last eight years um, and hanging out at Midwest and stuff. But I think this, it, it's a really cool story because Dennis was not afraid to reach out and go, Hey, I don't know everything. And, and, you know, he, he called me and I'm like, well, I don't know anything. Well, I don't know everything. <laughs> I don't is know. fairly generous. <laughs> I don't know everything or anything sometimes, <laughs> you know? And so when, when you didn't know something about this, I'd put you in contact with Greg Bim and you guys did a clinic there and, you know, with Bobby and with me and like, this is just what, what good people do is, is it, you know, uh, they want to help out other people, but what, well, I what called other you once. Yeah, but and what? you were at home on lunch break, <laughs> and your son Connor was like over rinsing a glass. <laughs> and you stopped our conversation and said, Hey, man, you don't need to use all that water. <laughs> and yeah. I thought, like, Oh my God, I've just He's said that real... to my own kids. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's so the same. We're yeah. so the same. It really doesn't take three gallons to wash one. But it, it made dish me feel better. Glass. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess what, the, the moral of the story is like, What's different between you and a thousand other people who've seen the dynamic marching DVDs is you got on the website and you're like, oh, his phone number is right there. Don't start. You're going to get a million phone calls now. Well, I don't care. Honestly, I don't. I, it's fine. Like that. That's that's why we started dynamic marching. It's why we go out and do these clinics. It, it, you know, we want to help other people. And that's why I continue to rely on you as a friend, right, but and confidant and mentor. But what I want everybody to learn from that is pick up the phone, you know, pick up the phone, write an email. You know, if you want to know what makes Richard Saucedo tick, write him an email. He might respond to you, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just, this activity is not as big as we think it is. You know, that I think that's the one thing that I was talking about earlier is that Nam is okay. It's like music is huge in our culture and all around the world. And there were some people in the hot tub today from Sydney, Australia and, and, and from England and like music is huge all around the world. Right. But marching band, there's like, I don't know, 20,000 marching bands at the most. And how many of them compete 
I don't know. I don't even know. I'm sure there's data out there, but like, it's not that big a community, the concert band, the marching band, the music education on the band side of things. It's like, reach out to your mentor, somebody you want to be your mentor or somebody you want to learn from and just be like, so how do you do this, that, and the other thing? And if they don't answer the phone, fine, call somebody else. But, um, you know, if you want, we, we talked about this today, you define what success means for your program. And, and if you're not feeling like you're going to get there on your own, how else are you going to do it? So well, I, I, I applaud you. And reaching yeah. out to guys like you and just finding out. It's, yeah, but you know, know everything about know. jazz. So I if I ever needed to teach a really good jazz band, I would reach out to you. <laughs> like, and, and I've called the Jeff Young of jazz a million times <laughs> to ask them, hey, how do you teach improvisation? What do you do with this? Who is that? J.B. Yeah. Dias at the yeah. uh, Herbie Hancock Institute in yeah. UCLA amazing so we did that very short interview with bill leather at, at midwest and you know the first person who texted me and said thank god you did something on jazz was dennis so <laughs> we'll try to do a little bit more on that well before we wrap up bobby and i have a few things we'd like for you to do uh, please listen to each episode and subscribe on your favorite podcasting hosts like itunes or spotify Follow and comment on That Band Life social media pages. On Facebook, search for That Band Life Podcast. And on Instagram, we are at Band Life One. You can also email Jeff at dynamicmarching.com or Bobby at dynamicmarching.com and share your wins and losses. And together we can learn to be better music educators. So before Jeff wraps it up completely, just want to thank everybody here in California for being with us and our first ever, ever live yeah. After late hours night. podcast, yeah. that band life late night. <laughs> For those of you who've been to conferences before, you know what that means. <laughs> and we hope that you will join us again later. And thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert. And this is That Band Life.